My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Mmm, ooh, guys, you have great questions. Again, who in the hell writes these questions? I know you do, but my God, these are great. Um, wow. Uh, I thought this was going to be an easy question. Usually you get the last question. It's like, just take it home. Um, that is a really good question. So, Welcome back to another episode of Tiny Giants, or welcome if this is your first time joining us. I am your host, T. Adela, your favorite former 400-pounder getting you fit on all things creator economy. So this is the show where our focus is on career over celebrity. And in today's episode, we have an interview with Jason Falls. Jason holds a special place in my heart and my professional development. Jason was actually the opening keynote at the first digital marketing conference I ever attended, a boot camp digital event in downtown Cincinnati. And I followed him and his work ever since. And I count myself blessed to have such a firm foundation on which to plant my professional success. And I am beyond thrilled to share his insights in this episode. Jason Falls is one of the leading thinkers in the digital marketing space with a particular focus on influence and community commerce marketing. His thought leadership in the influence marketing space led him to join Scipio.ai in the fall of 2022. It is the community commerce marketing platform that connects brands with influential voices within their own community to drive growth. Falls hosts the widely downloaded Winfluence podcast, is the author of three books, executive producer of the Marketing Podcast Network, and loves sports, bourbon, and his family. Not in that order. Our conversation with Jason Falls is next on Tiny Giants. Jason, always good catching up with you, my friend. T, great to be here, man. Love talking to you. Yes, sir. This should be a great one. So the basic premise of this show is that you get big by going small, right? <laughs> Don't try to boil the ocean. Don't try to be all things to all people. Pick a lane, stick to it, and then own that space, right? And it's by no means a new concept, niche down or niche if you're fancy, right? So tell us that story about how you landed where you landed, because in theory, you could have done anything, right? You could have been a pastry chef. You could have been a podiatrist. You could have been an astrophysicist, wherever, right? So how did you become Jason Falls? Well, I can assure you I could not have become an astrophysicist, but uh, I think my intellectual <laughs> capacities do have some limitations. 
But yeah, I, uh, I was a, my mother was the editor of the local newspaper in a small town in Eastern Kentucky when I was growing up. And so I've always been around the journalism, media, publishing, advertising, marketing world. And, um, you know, my mom was also a PR person and then she owned her own business. So there's a little bit of entrepreneurial, you know, effort in there as well. And so I always wanted to be, when I was in high school, I wanted to be an anchor on Sports Center. And so when I went to college, um, I got my undergraduate degree in radio TV communications. Uh, which has, you know, come full circle later in my career and had benefited me as a podcaster. Um, but I wanted to be on ESPN. And so I, I did the undergraduate in radio TV communications. I was given some advice that I probably needed a master's degree in some some degree of sport management, sports administration. So I went to West Virginia University and got a master's in that. And then I actually worked at ABC Radio Sports. Um, I was a radio producer. Radio was, I was, I was, I had a face for radio, so I stayed in radio. Um, (laughs) But I was actually, I was actually offered an internship at ESPN. So right out of grad school, I was offered an ESPN internship and an ABC internship. I took the ABC one for lots of reasons um, and wound up working there for a couple of years and made it to be an associate producer at ABC radio networks. Nice. And, um, and then life happened. I had a girlfriend who I wanted to be my wife and we wanted to have a family. So I didn't think living in New York city was a good place for that. So I came back to Kentucky and started a a short, well, short, (laughs) a medium uh, length career as a PR guy in college athletics. So I was what used to be called a sports information director. Um, They call it athletic media relations now mostly. Uh, But I I basically ran the press rooms and the press conferences and the press boxes and press row for ball games for 15 years. It was a lot of fun. I watched ball games for a living, didn't pay crap, but um, I had a lot of fun. And then again, life got in the way and I had a kid. And uh, my son is now a senior in high school. So 17 years ago, I left my first career as a college athletics PR guy and moved into mainstream advertising, marketing, PR. It just so happened that that was when the world of social media was becoming something that brands were asking questions about. I happened to be in the right place at the right time and knew a thing or two about blogs and social networks. And uh, didn't didn't muck it up too bad. So started giving some brands some advice, and that led to being invited to speak about it at conferences. And then I ended up writing a book, and then I ended up writing a second book, and uh, kind of spent the last fifteen years, for the most part, on the agency side of the aisle, helping brands figure out the world of social media marketing. But because I'm a PR guy by trade, a lot of what I've done over the years is let's find you know, influential people who are using social media. It used to be called blogger relations. Now it's called influencer marketing and try to find those digital creators out there that are are gathering audiences together um, and partner with them as a brand to figure out how they can communicate that brand message to their audience. And we can have a win-win situation for the brand and their audience. And so that's kind of where I've found myself in the last four or five years is really focusing uh, almost everything I do on influence and what I call influence marketing without the R. I dig it. I like it. Thank you for taking us through that journey. So given your purview as a giant in your space, <laughs> that, you know, 10 story, 20 story foot view that the person on the ground doesn't necessarily have, are there any giant non-obvious traps that you would bring to people's attention? So for example, 
And we've talked about this in the digital marketing space. You know, when I first cut my teeth 15, oh, I can't believe it, 17, almost 18 years ago, um, I got bad information. Okay. And I write about this in my books. I just went to Google and I typed in how to make money online. Mm. And that landed me squarely in the clutches of some non-ethical players whom I yep. didn't recognized at such at the time, because since that was my first introduction to digital marketing, I had no concept of what right, wrong, up, down was. My sole orientation was what they told me. Right. And I didn't learn the term black hat, which is racist, by the way, and we need to stop using it because <laughs> it <is>. everything <laughs> bad is black, everything good is white, but I digress. I didn't learn the term black hat until I came to Full Sail University 10 years after I graduated high school. And by that time, I was doing all kind of stuff. Like, and I'm not making excuses for my younger self. I'm just telling you what happened. Sure. Like, I done spoofed URLs. I done did link. I done did all of it, mm -hmm. right? Because at the time, like, no one oriented me. No one said, this is the right way. This is the wrong way. We do this. We don't do that. I was just out there getting it. Yep. You know what I mean? And so that is a really big trap that unfortunately you would think would have gone the way of the dinosaur, but hasn't, as, at least not to my satisfaction, sure. which is why I write the books that I write, which is why we did the first podcast all those many moons ago and why I'm getting back in the game, because it is very, very important that people are introduced to the industry the right way, right? because that colors the lens through which they view things. So I know that was sort of a long lead up, but given again, your perspective from the penthouse floor, because you've earned your spot and you're, you know, 15, 20 stories up, what are the elephants in the room? What are the non-obvious, but giant traps that someone coming into the space should be made aware of? Sure. Well, I mean, I think you, you've started to walk down that road with your story of understanding what's right, what's wrong, what's ethical, what's unethical. And that's going to vary per person. But in general, you know, as a content creator for those, you know, creators out there that are listening or the parents of those you know, creators out there that are listening, you really have to kind of sit down and define for yourself, what am I comfortable doing? What am I not comfortable doing? What is the right path to success for me? And where are the temptations along the road? You're not going to know all of them, but you're going to be approached at some point uh, on, a, on a very simple level. If you're a content creator, at some point, a sponsor or a brand is going to approach you and say, hey, I want to sponsor uh, some content with you. And that brand's product is not necessarily going to have anything to do with your audience. And so even a simple little decision like that of knowing, you know what, I'm not doing my audience any favors if all I talk about is, you know, journaling and organization and time management, and I've got an antiperspirant or deodorant wanting to to sponsor my content, right. there's a complete disconnect with what they come to you for and what you're presenting to them from a sponsorship perspective. So even that, though, there's nothing unethical or illegal or anything wrong with you saying I use this deodorant. It doesn't make any sense for your audience. And so mm -hmm. even little things like that sort of putting the guardrails up for yourself to know here's what's what I feel good doing and what I don't feel good doing. And when in doubt, don't. If you ever feel like, you know what, I'm not real sure if this is the right way to do it. Your instincts are probably going to you know, give you the right answer most of the time. To go a little bit beyond that, I think 
the the other big thing that I would would think about as a content creator, or if you're a parent of a content creator trying to give your your child advice on how to do this, I have been a big proponent, and I mentioned this earlier, of influence marketing, not influencer marketing. So the sort of definition of those two, the differentiation there in the marketplace today, it's really just semantics, but the market conditions and the people who talk about this space sort of understand this. An influencer or influencer marketing is typically a social media content creator that has a lot of followers um, and that a brand can approach. And for a certain amount of money, that particular content creator will endorse or do sponsored content or post something with that particular product. In and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that. That's how influencers, content creators make their money. Uh, it's part of the creator economy. It's very important. It's what this show's all about. My perspective, though, is instead of focusing on influencer marketing, brands should be focused on influence marketing. And what I mean by that is instead of finding the person who has a lot of followers who will just endorse your product, let's find content creators and people who are really influential to the audience you're trying to reach. Now, the way that that translates itself for content creators is you really have to know that your role in the creator economy, especially if you want to monetize what you do with brands, is not to advertise their product. It's to influence your audience to use their product. Mm -hmm. It's to have your audience take action. And those are two different things. They can overlap. But if I'm Shaquille O'Neal and I say, I own Papa John's Pizza, eat Papa John's Pizza, and there's going to be some people that will go out and, and do that. But if I'm a content creator who is talking about better ingredients for pizza and I'm showing people why the ingredients that goes into that pizza are better, I'm going to be more influential than even a Shaquille O'Neal. Now, he might be able to produce a lot more reach because he's a celebrity. There's a, a different you know parameter there. But what you as a content creator need to focus on is how can you build a relationship and trust with your audience so that when you do bring them a product, you have an absolute impact and brands can see that in the metrics and analytics that you provide in the engagement rates. If you are really good uh, as a content creator these days, you know that you can say, hey, I want you to go buy this product and here's a coupon code or here's the link that you need to go to use it so that they know it came from me. And you actually motivate your audience to go do that because the content creators who can prove that they can actually move the bottom line needle on how much revenue that brand makes, those are the people that are going to have longevity in this career because those are the ones that brands are going to want to do business with. I love it. I dig it. And one of the benefits about being a giant is that you can set the tone and you can shape things. So I love how you're using your platform and your creativity and your influence to bring about the change that you want to see, you know, not the quote Gandhi out the gate. Right. So <laughs> we are going to take a short break. And then when we get back, we're going to continue our conversation with tiny giant Jason Falls. <laughs> My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B. 
But LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. And we're back. So, Jason, we're both parents, and it is a very interesting time to be a parent. So what I want to do now (laughs) is sort of shift gears and get your parental perspective because and you and I talk on a somewhat regular basis. So I've shared with you some of these stats, but sort of the marquee stats that are the basis of the show is that, you know, there are three times as many children ages eight to 12 who want to be YouTubers than astronauts. Mm -hmm. And that is per a 2019 global survey by Lego and Harris poll. And then just recently, a few months back, as of this recording, Adobe published a global survey. This is worldwide saying that almost 50 percent, 49 percent of Gen Z intend to pursue content creation as a career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this kind of gives me pause because, you know, I, I haven't been in the game quite as long as yourself, but I've been around long enough to see my share of changes, my share of waves, things come and go. And what inevitably happens is that if you have everyone rushing into the space, it's the law of large numbers, right? So if everybody wants to be a content creator, then there's that much more competition, then there's that much more noise, and it becomes that much more difficult to rise to the top, right? And so you're going to have a lot of folks who sort of fall by the wayside and just taking an opportunity to shamelessly plug my second book because it's my show and I can do that. (laughs) Um, One of the reasons I wrote the second book is to address this because it's like, you know, when, when people, again, going back to the origins of my story, when people just go to Google and they say, okay, I'm gonna just go for it. The, the fundamental issue with that is that Google only helps you find what you already know exists. Mm -hmm. So it's a search engine, right? So by definition, it only fulfills demand. It doesn't create it. Mm -hmm. And the issue with that is that you don't know what you don't know, not because you're unintelligent, but because these people are young, right? They're young. And so when I see these sorts of stats, it gives me pause as a parent because I'm like, okay, well, what about this, this, this? And you have you thought about that? And inevitably they haven't, right? Yeah, I think I've set that up enough, but I just want to, and of course, I, you, I know you know metrics and you have stats of your own just from where you sit. So as a parent of a 17-year-old who's, a, who's about to be an adult, right? And you have another child a little younger. I have three. My oldest just turned 13. So I got a little bit more time <laughs> to get them together. But, you know, what is your perspective on the current state of the creator economy and what that means for our children? Well, I definitely think it means opportunity. Um, And I mean, the whole reason you have this podcast is because that opportunity exists out there. And there are young people who want to be content creators, who want to be, quote unquote, YouTubers, influencers, whatever. And there are parents out there that are starting to see that opportunity and embrace it. Um, There's lots of reasons for that. 
to, for parents to look at that as a positive. Number one, it's accessible. You know, the, the social media democratized publishing uh, in this world. And so now anybody can publish. My daughter is 14 years old. She's had her own YouTube channel for three years. Mm, nice. um, you know, she has a few hundred followers. She's a young adult book reviewer, fantasy book reviewer. Um, she's not super active all the time, but she'll go in, in waves and she's got a nice little following and she keeps telling me that, you know, her career path, her career agenda is to own her own independent bookstore and, or be a librarian. So she's already kind of thinking and creating in that sort of career path. And that cannot hurt her down the road. Because regardless of whether or not she becomes a, a bookstore owner or even works in the publishing literature or literary world, the skill set to be able to have your own YouTube channel, create your own thumbnails, create your own videos, edit your own videos, market and promote yourself, that skill is transferable to any industry, to any job, right? And so mm -hmm. she's by just by playing around and practicing in the creator economy, having her own YouTube channel and, of course, an Instagram channel, and I think she's got a TikTok too, um, it's it's preparing her to be a marketer on top of whatever she winds up being, and that cannot be a bad thing. In fact, that's an, an extra skill set that she's going to bring to the table for a job application that some people don't have. Right. Because social media is rather ubiquitous with, with young people these days, a lot of other people are going to have those skills too. But she might be able to, she's applying to work at a bookstore to gain the knowledge, experience, and skills to be able to own her own one day. She might be able to say, well, I have a YouTube channel that has several thousand followers and I review young adult fiction. And the uh, bookstore owner, whoever's hiring, could go look at that and say, oh my gosh, she's a valuable asset to have on our team because she can help publicize books and help us figure out how to market on YouTube, right? right? So there's there's tons of opportunity there. And so I really feel like um, while I know that there are parents out there, and I'm, I'm almost 50, by the time this reaches the air, I probably will be 50. And so I am at the tail end of, or at the very beginning of Gen X. Um, and so there are parents my age, maybe a little bit younger, certainly parents who are a little bit older, who look at social media and say, oh, you can't do that as a career. That's foolish. You need to go to college. You need to do this. You need to do that. We've got to start realizing that the world is just different. The creator economy has made the world different. You don't need a college degree to have a six-figure income these days. Um, now, not everybody can do that. You have to have focus. You have to be uh, have good work ethic. You have to be really determined. You have to be, you know, self-starter, that kind of thing. So you need a lot more than just, you know, showing up every day and saying, well, what am I going to do today for work? But at the same time, it is feasible for you to go out there and create content and build an audience around uh, a skill set or a knowledge or a, a level of entertainment for people that earns you a living. And so I think we as parents need to embrace that. And if our children show some sort of inclination toward wanting to do that, then I think we need to embrace it. My son, who you mentioned, we mentioned 17 years old, he's senior in high school. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that he is interested in going to college and getting a college degree. But the whole thing he's been interested in for the last six or seven years, really, since he was I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old, is he wants to produce music. 
And so I made sure that he knew how to use garage garage band. I made sure that he had, you know, the, the, the things that he needed to do to be able to produce his own music and, and play around with it and learn the skill. And then when he, when he approached me one day, a couple of years ago, and said, dad, I've written some rap lyrics and I've got some beats that I've gotten some, some from some friends online that create beats. Can I, pay for some time to go to a studio and actually have a professional producer record something. And I was like, heck yeah, you can let's go do it. And so I took him to a recording studio and he, he's, he's cut three or four in studio professionally produced, you know, uh, R and B hip hop songs that he's written. As a dope. None of them have, you know, sold a ton of stuff on iTunes. He's not getting rich over it, but he's learning the craft. He's figuring it out. And um, I'm embracing that because whether he goes to college or not, and luckily for me, he wants to, and he wants to get a degree in, you know, music technology and entertainment business technology, all that kind of stuff. Even if he didn't, I would be as long as you keep your head down and keep working toward that goal and getting better at what you're doing, you're going to find the opportunities to make a living. And, and that makes me proud as a parent. I love it. Nice. Well, first, happy birthday in advance. And <laughs> uh, that is so dope. No, seriously, folks, if you're listening to this, you have a template of how to support a young person in the creator economy. Because, you know, a lot of us just don't get it to your point. And it's got nothing to do with whether or not we love our children. It's got nothing to do with, um, you know, what we want for them. But it's just, you know, we were raised in a certain point in time because kind of like yourself, I'm right at the beginning of millennial, but at the tail end of Gen X. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I'm 38 as of this recording. Okay. And so, you know, I still remember the 80s. Mm -hmm. I was only four. But I was there. OK, <laughs> so um, yeah, it's a very, very different time. And so my next question about the parent perspective is that, you know, when you are a person with influence, if you participate in the creator economy, whether you're an influencer with the R or a person with influence, something that I think not enough young people understand. And I want to tap into your PR um background on this is that when you're an influencer, you are the product, mm -hmm. right? Like, like that, that is what the brand is paying for. They, they like your atmosphere, your aura, and the people you're able to attract by being you. You're a celebrity, quote unquote, or there's an aspect of celebrity to being an influencer. The flip side to that coin is that you are the product. And so mm -hmm. if you have a meltdown a la Kanye West, <laughs> right, then that sends the brands running for the hills, mm -hmm. right? And without getting too far into uh, Mr. West shenanigans, because there's plenty of, of, of coverage in that. We don't need to spend our time talking about him. But the point I'm making and bringing him up is that when people do things like that, mm -hmm. it makes brands gun shy. Yep, sure does. And when you're young, doing dumb stuff is just part of being young, right? Like we've all done things that we wish we could get back or not had our finest hours. So my concern as a parent is that, you know, if you do things that are just indicative of being a 17-year-old boy, but you did it on camera for the world mm -hmm. to see, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, that that adds a different layer to it. And again, from, from, from the perspective of someone who cut their teeth in the PR world, mm -hmm. how would you, um, you know, advise a young person? Cause clearly you're a supportive father and I applaud 
and you know celebrate you for that. But it's like, listen, we have to have a conversation about this. So, oh, yeah. so how do you have those types of conversations with your children? Sure. Well, uh, you know, we've had a conversation, both my son and my daughter and I, all three of us have had conversations about, you know, if you are going to publish anything online, even if it's just, you know, Snapchat on a you know personal social media, that's the a part of the original social media conversation of if you're going to have a Facebook account, if you're going to have an Instagram account, a TikTok account, whatever, there are some rules and some parameters. And the first rule that you have to understand is you can't take it back. Mm-hmm. Once you publish it, it's out there. And you have to understand the concept of your own personal brand, your own personal reputation. And when you put something out there, if you're goofing off with your friends and, you know, posting something really inappropriate, it could come back to haunt you in a job interview. It could come back to haunt you on a college application because colleges certainly are now going to do searches and, you know, Google your content and see what kind of person you are. It can really damage you if you're, even if you're just being silly and goofing off, you got to be really careful about what you publish. And so you have to understand what your personal brand is, even as a young person and how to craft that and curate that so that what you put out there is a positive reflection on who you are. Now, I'm not saying that you should stifle yourself and handcuff your creativity and not be the true you, but you have to understand that you're going to live with the consequences of that true you if it is outside the parameters of what the general business or public community feels like is acceptable. So if you have you know, an alternative viewpoint on the world, a la Kanye or other people, and you're, you want to put that out there, then you need to understand the consequences of that. Freedom of speech is great, but freedom of speech is not all powerful and applicable in every situation. You can't run into a theater, a crowded theater and scream fire because that disrupts the peace, right? That's illegal, even though you can walk in there and say it, you're free to do that, but you've got to deal with the consequences. So I have that conversation with my kids early on so that they understand, even if they're not trying to be a content creator or a social media influencer, that anything you're posting on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter or any of these other social networks can be linked back to you, even if your account is private. I mean, we've seen plenty of cases where, you know, someone, a teenager has posted something um, that, you know, admitting that they've done something wrong or maybe they've posted an inappropriate picture of a classmate and someone screen caps it and sends it to the principal or whatever, right? It's going to get out there. Someone is going to uh, turn tail and turn you in, even on a private account. So just understand that while you have great power in creating content online, that great power comes with great responsibility, particularly to your career and your reputation. So you need to take that very seriously. And obviously, if you're a parent out there, you need to have this conversation with your kids and let them know this isn't about following rules. This isn't about don't do this, don't do that. Here's what you can and cannot post. It's about here's the life that you're going to pay for yourself if you do something foolish and understanding what a personal brand is and how to protect it. So have that conversation just like you would have the stranger danger conversation. And I think you're going to point your kids on a much safer path. I love it. And there you have it, folks. Freedom of speech is not freedom of consequence. (laughs) And with great power comes great responsibility, a la Uncle Ben from Spider-Man. And that never gets old. (laughs) Timeless, timeless advice. So 
Jason, this has been spectacular. Always good chatting with you, my friend. So we've reached the end and there's nothing left to do but roll out the red carpet. Are there any giant projects you got coming out? Books, speaking engagements, new job. You know, the floor is yours, friends. Tell folks where to find you. And thanks so much for your time. Well, thank you, T. Yeah, the my, the biggest news for me right now is a new job. I just recently took over as Executive Vice President of Marketing for Scipio.ai, which is a community commerce marketing platform. And basically what that means is if you think about the concept of influencers, we're a platform that helps you identify the influential people within your brand community. So if you work in a business out there, it's looking at your customers. It's looking at your fans and followers on social media. It's looking at people that also you know talk about you on social media. So it might be social media influencers too, but it's really about finding the influential people within your own brand ecosystem and then giving them the mechanisms to fuel that passion and recommend and review and influence on your behalf. And so that's what I'm doing now. Um, if anybody wants to connect with me. I'm Jason Falls practically everywhere. And uh, Winfluence is the name of my book and my podcast, Winfluence, the Influence Marketing Podcast. You can get there at winfluencepod.com. And marketingpodcast.net. Oh, yeah. So, Jason, <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate it. T, thank you for having me, man. Tiny Giants is an audio companion to and the first chapter of my first book. Beyond buzzwords, social media, mobile, and other marketing buzzwords ain't the half of it. Available on Amazon. If you enjoyed this podcast, chances are good you'll like the book too. I'm proud to say that while the book has aged, it's not dated. Sure, some examples could be freshened up, but strategically, it's as rock solid as the day it was written. Not every author can say that. I encourage you to pick it up and leave me a rating and review. It really helps. I have like one rating on that book from my mom because she loves me. And I'm positive that you'll love it too. Head on over to tinygiants.tech for more episodes and whatever else I have going on. While you're there, leave me a voicemail with your question, comment, or feedback for improvement. I may play that voice recording on a future episode as I answer your question or address your concern. If you your company or school needs help with college, career, and creator readiness strategy, or to book me to speak, drop me a line at t at tinygiants.tech. If you or someone you know is doing big things in small or not so small niches, or as we like to call them, tiny giants, and they will make a great guest for the show, email me at t at tinygiants.tech. Thanks for listening. And remember, you get big by going small, but to prioritize career over celebrity. But no matter what you choose, know that I'm rooting for you. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. 
Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.